0: We're going to be here for a while, so uh, we're in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 31, and we had already read all those verses publicly over the last couple times that I've preached, so I had something else written by Paul read this morning, which relates, but we are in Acts chapter 9. Um, And while you're getting there in your Bibles, I want to begin this morning by asking you an important question. Perhaps it's one that you have asked yourselves before. Uh, I know that through the years, I've talked with many young people in particular who are trying to find out the answer to this question. And the question is the one that you see there on the screen What is my calling? Now, if you've never asked yourself that question before, I think you should. I do think it's a very important question and one that we should all ask ourselves. What is my calling in life? Think about it for a second. If I were to ask you to come up here to the stage and hand you the microphone, how would you answer that question here before your church family this morning? What is my calling? Well, I bring that question up this morning here in the study of Acts chapter 9 because we see in this section, in verses 1 through 31, both a conversion and a calling. Now, most Bibles will title each chapter, and I looked at a couple different versions uh, this week in preparation, and they all title this chapter the same way Saul's Conversion. And that's a really good title, because a conversion happens, and we've talked about Saul's conversion in a couple of different ways over the last couple of of weeks. However, conversion is not the only thing that happens. There's also a calling. You see, with Saul's conversion comes a calling. It's kind of a package deal, and so... I want us to use the calling of Saul as an opportunity for us to talk about our calling. What is my calling? It's it's well documented in the annals of Southside history uh, that my story is one of dentistry to ministry, it's a story of the tooth to the truth. The story of gingivitis to God inside us. And if you come up with any others, email them to me at Kaufman at gmail.com. You know my personal email. If one hits you during the week, just email it to me. I love to add it to the collection. But this, the story of dentistry to ministry is, is, is not the story of my conversion. It's the story of my calling. Does that make sense? It's not my conversion. I was not converted from dentistry to ministry. I was converted from death to life. So it's not my conversion. However, it's my calling. And our our calling is connected to our conversion, but it's different from our conversion. Yet I think because they are so interconnected, it can lead to confusion. And so really the purpose of my lesson this morning is to help kind of clarify the difference between the two so that you might be able to answer this question on the screen behind us better in your own life. There are two authors who've helped equip me through the years as I've tried to answer This question and understand my calling and also as I've come alongside others to help equip them in understanding what their calling might be in life. And so I want to give credit to these these two men. The first author, his name is Tim Elmore. Uh, He's a Christian leadership guy out of Atlanta Uh, and his resources were particularly helpful to me as I would come alongside college students at the University of Georgia uh, and help them answer this question uh, in their life. And then the second uh, author is a man named Oz Guinness. Back in the late 1990s, he wrote a book titled "The Call," and the subtitle of his book is "Finding and Fulfilling the Central Purpose of Your Life." And what what he does so well in his book is he builds this biblical framework to help us to understand biblically what is a calling. This kind of idea of calling. And so these two men have greatly influenced my thinking, and I'll be referencing uh, both of them uh, today in, in the lesson. But part of the helpful framework that Guinness gives in his book, The Call, is this. He says that a calling always has these three aspects to it. A calling is by him, a calling is to him, and a calling is for him. And I want to use that simple framework this morning to help us to talk about and think about our calling. So let's start with the first one, this first part of this framework, this biblical framework that we're going to build to help us think about this question. The first one is, we are called by him. That's where it begins. That's where we have to start because you can't ask the question, what is my calling Unless you first ask the question, is there a caller? Are you following me? You see, there's no calling without a caller. You can't even use the language of calling unless you believe there's a caller. I really like how Guinness puts it. He says, all this talk about what is my calling that we see in our world today, I love this phrase. He says, remains baffling hollow unless you believe there's someone to whom we are able to respond. So the question to a room full this morning of mainly Christians is not, do you believe in God? I think that's a given for the most part. There may be some of you in here who don't believe in God, and if you don't, then I would love to have the opportunity to study that question with you at some point. But the question I'm asking this morning is, do you believe that God has called you? So it's not, do you believe there is a God? It's, do you believe that God has called you, that he's reached out to you? Because the Bible's clear as we study the narrative of Scripture, there is a caller. God has called you. And if you're in a relationship with God today, it's only because he called you. If you're a Christian this morning, it's because God wanted to be in a relationship with you. It's not because you wanted it. It's not because you acquired it. It's not because you earned it. It's not because you deserved it. It's because God called you. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 5, verses 31 through 32. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Ah, and then I love this. Is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. This is what Jesus says. And I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners to repentance. You know why that's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture? Because that's me. I was so sick. I had lost my way. I was dead in my sin. But there's a caller, and he called me. I like to illustrate it this way, and I've used this before. Um, But Karen here, the special lady on the front row, she's getting ready to celebrate 24 years of marriage to me in June. June. Because I called her. That's a true story. If I had not picked up the phone and called her, we would not be married today. That's a fact. Now, Karen said yes when I asked her to go on a date with me. And she said yes when I asked her to marry me. And she continues to say yes to me, every day since. But the reality is, we would not be in a relationship today if I had not first called her. Listen, if you're here today, or if you're watching online at home, and you're not a Christian, then I want you to know that God is calling you. He's calling you. And if you didn't know that before, I want you to know that today. Maybe you've been too distracted. Maybe you've been too busy. Perhaps your phone's been on silent. Maybe you think, I'm too big of a mess. My life's too messed up. No way he's calling me. Well, Like the old saying goes, God doesn't. Call the prepared. He prepares the called. Jesus says, he's not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I know he's calling you today because he called me. (laughs) I was the worst of sinners. And he called me. Fanny J. Crosby, who at six weeks old, I get emotional talking about Fanny J. I grew up with Fanny J uh, singing her hymns. But at six weeks old, uh, she caught a cold and developed inflammation in her eyes that caused, (laughs) caused her to be blind the rest of her life. Yet she could see Jesus more clearly than all of us. She wrote over 8,000 hymns about Jesus. And one of my favorites is Jesus is tenderly calling. Jesus is calling the weary to rest. Calling today. Calling today. Bring him your burden and you shall be blessed. He will not turn you away. We are called by Him. So, if we're going to talk about calling, then that's where we have to begin. That's where the framework starts. We're called by Him. There's a caller. The second part of this framework that we're building this morning is that we're called to Him. So we're called by him, and we're called to him. You know, I think part of the confusion that we have trying to understand our calling is that in the New Testament, our conversion can also be understood as a calling. Let me explain. Look at Saul's conversion here in Acts chapter 9. We read in verse 3 that a light flashed from heaven around him, He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul asked, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. You see, in these verses, Jesus calls Saul to himself. And this is what Guinness describes as our primary calling. He says, first and foremost, we're called to someone. We're called to the caller, to God. We're not not called to something, whether that be motherhood or politics or preaching. We're not called to somewhere, whether that be the inner city or some foreign country. Our primary calling is that we're called to someone. We're called to him. So this primary calling is what we would call our conversion. Conversion happens when we're called out of sin and called to him. When we're called out of death and into life. That's conversion and that's our primary calling. We're called into a relationship with the Father through His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And those who have been called out in this way become part of the church, the Ecclesia, the Greek word translated as church, which literally means the called out ones. We've been been called out of sin and called to Him, we've been called out of death. And called into life. And we become part of this group called the called out ones. The church. It's our primary calling. We all. All of us who are Christians have that calling in common. We've been called by him. To him. We've been called to someone. We're called to him. And so that's the the second part of this framework. So. There's a, the first part, again, is we're called by him. There's a caller. The second part, we're called to him. This caller calls us to himself. It's our primary calling. And then third, this third part of the framework, is that we're called for him. We're called for him. Now, this is what Guinness describes as our secondary calling. The one who calls us to himself also calls us to other things to various tasks to certain people to particular places and these secondary callings what he calls us to do for him are as different and as unique as there are people in acts chapter 9 we learn of Saul's secondary calling through Ananias, who who the Lord tells in verses 15 through 16, this man Saul is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles, before their kings, before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So in verses 4 through 6, Saul is called to him. That's his primary calling. And then here in verses 15 and 16, Saul's called for him. It's his secondary calling. Now, when you ask this question on the screen, what is my calling? Whether you've realized it or not, you're asking about your secondary calling. Does that make sense? And the reason you have a secondary calling to ask about is because you have a primary calling. What is the one who has called me to him? What's the one who's called me to himself, calling me to do for him? Where is the one who has called me to himself, calling me to go for him? It's our secondary calling. You know, my experience of dentistry to ministry, it's my secondary calling. It's unique to me. I had had been studying, preparing to be a dentist, and God called me into full-time ministry on a state campus. And I've been at Virginia Tech, and I've been at the University of Georgia, and now I've been at the University of Kentucky for almost 17 years. It's my secondary calling. You see, Saul and I share a primary calling. We are both called to the caller. But we have different secondary callings. Saul's secondary calling is unique to him. He was called by God to go to the Gentiles and to go to the kings of the Gentiles and to suffer many things in the name of Jesus. And we will see him fulfill this secondary calling in the book of Acts. So, a better question, a more specific question for us to ask than the one on the screen is what is my secondary calling? And here's why I think that's an important clarification to make. It's important because you don't have to question your primary calling. When you ask the question, What is my calling? you're not questioning your relationship with God. You have been called by God to God, you were called to someone, you're part of His church. You're one of the called out ones from death to life, from sin to him. You don't have to sit around and ask that question about your relationship with him. Your primary calling is the same as mine. It's the same as Saul's. You're called by God to God. But what's your secondary calling? What have you been called to do for him? Where have you been called to go for him? I know this, it's probably not dentistry to ministry. You know, our secondary callings can be a little tricky because um, they're often not as clear. Hence the reason why people ask this question all the time. Whereas we don't ever have to question our primary calling, I do think it's a common experience for most of us to question our secondary calling. Whether we question it or others question it, there seems to always be questions about it. Even for Saul, if we look here in verses 1 through 31, even for Saul here, after receiving his secondary calling, we learn, picking up in verse 19, 20, 21, He spends several days there with the disciples in Damascus, preaching in the synagogues. And what are we told about those who hear him? They had lots of questions. They had lots of questions about his secondary calling. Wait a minute. Isn't isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? Hold on. Hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? There's questions about his secondary calling. You know, um, when I uh, graduated from UGA with my biology degree and pre-med and um, planned to go to dental school, I was going through that process, and I was part of the very first group uh, that received letters, acceptance letters, to be at the, the University of Georgia School of Dentistry. And, man, that was, it was an honor. I was excited about that. Everything I'd worked for had come to fruition. And my parents, just like all of you parents of your kids, they were so proud, so happy for me and excited So, when I pivoted and went into full time ministry, my dad had some questions. And so he asked if he could come to Athens and spend the day with me. Uh, And if you don't know, my dad was a full time minister who preached in, in churches for 50 plus years. But he came, and we met with several people that day, and we prayed with several different people that day. And then just the two of us went out to eat together. We went to Chick-fil-A, and he asked me all of his questions. It's very natural to have questions about our secondary callings. Um, Earlier, I mentioned to you uh, Tim Elmore, he, uh, he had a resource that I would use with college students at the University of Georgia to kind of help equip them as they were thinking through this question. They were trying to answer this question in their own life. And it was a wonderful resource, and I want to share part of it with you today. Um, but what he did that I thought was so helpful is he looked at four different ways that God called people in the Bible to do things for him to this secondary calling. Uh, and I found it really helpful to hear kind of the different ways that God would call people for him. And I just want to walk through these with you this morning. The first he, call, he titled, The Call from Birth. Uh, and it's a Bible study, and we obviously don't have time to go through the Bible study today, but um, the call from birth and the examples that he used were of Jeremiah and John the Baptist. Uh, Both are wonderful examples of people being called from birth. Jeremiah, uh, God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 that he had set him apart before he was born. Um, And so there are some who God calls from birth. They've known their calling for as long as they can remember. They don't, Remember a time where they didn't know what they're supposed to do for God. That's an example. I've met people that they've just, they've known. They've known since they were a wee lad what what they were supposed to do. The second example is, he calls the thunderbolt. Of course, that's Saul, right? That's the one we've looked at. That's our apostle Paul. This calls unmistakable. These calls can occur in a crisis, but there's a memorable moment in your life when all of a sudden you know. You don't know, but then there's this memorable moment. All of a sudden you know, and it comes clearly and unmistakably. That's the thunderbolt. Number three, for such a time, as our Queen Esther, For such a time, this call comes during a certain season in your life. It's not a thunderbolt experience. You're simply following Jesus. You're simply being obedient to God, walking through open doors, and then one day you realize that God has brought you to this very moment. For such a time as this. He has equipped you and prepared you all along for this moment. And then the fourth is growing awareness and uses the, the example of Joseph. This kind of call comes early, but in a very general way. You have kind of a general sense of your calling. Joseph understood through dreams, if you remember his story. That he had some kind of calling on his life to become a leader, but he just didn't understand the details of it. Boy, and there were certain points along the way where he didn't see how that was even going to happen. But he started to realize them along the way, he had a growing awareness of his calling. And so can you identify with any one of those four ways? I think it's helpful to see in Scripture that God calls his people to their secondary callings in different ways. Not all of us have a, a road to Damascus kind of experience. Perhaps one of these examples can help you with your own experience as you try to answer this question, this important question for your life. What's your secondary calling? I want to conclude this morning with this. I want to encourage you with this. Look back in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. Um, Verse 26 tells us that all of Jerusalem was afraid of Saul and that none of them Believed that he was answering his secondary calling correctly. <laughs> they weren't buying it. And then there's this great, this great phrase. It's how verse 27 starts. So good. It says, But Barnabas. but Barnabas. Don't we need more people like Barnabas? Because we all need encouragement in answering this question. What's my secondary calling? God uses people to encourage us. God uses mentors to encourage us in answering this question. A couple of weeks ago, I asked you the question Who's your Ananias? This morning, let me ask you the question Who's your Barnabas? Who encouraged you to pursue your secondary calling? Mine's easy. Todd Stansel. And there's not a close second. I would not be in full-time ministry today without the encouragement of Todd Stanzel. Listen, I love this 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 story because Saul here at this very important, pivotal time, had a man come into his life whose name literally, as my kids like to say, literally means the son of encouragement. And it says here in verse 27 that Barnabas took him under his wing That's what that verb means. Isn't that beautiful? Barnabas took Saul under his wing and brought him to the apostles. And through Barnabas, Saul was encouraged to fulfill his calling. Listen, church, Let's be sons and daughters of encouragement. Let's be others Todd Stancils, others Barnabases. Let's look for ways to encourage others who are trying to answer this question in their lives. And so we've, we've tried to create this framework this morning. We're called by him, we're called to him, and we're called for him. What is your calling? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that's living and active, that we can open this word up and, and, and have it have it divide our hearts, right, where, where our hearts may be hard or our hearts may be wandering or our hearts may be doubtful. This, this, can, this can bring encouragement. It can, it can come into our hearts. It penetrates our hearts in ways that no other word can. And so that's my prayer, Lord, is that your spirit today in this, with this idea of calling Lord, that it will speak to each person here, that it will encourage them, Lord, as we um, want to be your people who live out your calling on our life. So thank you for Jesus, and we pray all this in his name, amen. This morning, we're going to sing a song of invitation, and the invitation this morning um, is for anybody that might be here this morning who has never responded to that primary calling, right? Listen, your secondary calling doesn't matter. The only reason your secondary calling matters is because the primary calling matters the most. There's a caller who's calling you to himself. And if you have never come to him, if you've never responded to his call, we'd love as, as a family of called out ones for you to come and be called out of sin and called to him. Be called out of death and called into light. Put Christ on in baptism today. We'd love to be part of that in your life. Let's stand and sing together. Oh.